Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Dags för avsnitt nummer 31 av Champagnepodden och idag befinner jag mig nere i Epenay tillsammans med min kära sambo Jessica. Välkommen! Tack så mycket! Sitter du skönt i sängen? Absolut! Vi ska säga det till lyssnarna att det är inte bara för att det är väldigt skönt att ligga i sängen som man spelar in en podcast i sängen utan det är för att ljudet blir så mycket bättre när man har allt tyg runt omkring. Exakt! I dagens avsnitt kommer vi inte prata allt för mycket om vår resa i Champagne för att när vi är klara med den här resan, vi är nere i en vecka. Ja, vi har bara varit nere i tre dagar hittills. Så att när vi är klara med den här resan kommer vi köra ett helt avsnitt där vi bara pratar om resan i Champagne och egentligen hur man ska gå tillväga när man reser runt i Champagne för det är väldigt mycket frågor som jag får angående mm. det. Men som sagt, dagens avsnitt kommer vi att prata med vinmakare på Schatz Heidsäck, Surbrunn. Mycket trevlig man. Mycket, mycket trevlig man som ni kommer få höra lite mer om alldeles strax. Och eh, vi kör osponsrat även idag. Vi kan säga vad vi vill om vad som helst, precis som vanligt. Men är ni intresserade av att sponsra podden så får ni jättegärna höra av er till martin.champansweden.se Men jag tycker att vi rullar intervjun nu. I'm here in Rams with the, the cellar master of uh, Charles Heitzig, Sir Brun. Uh, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be there with you, Martin. How are you? I'm very fine. I'm, I'm just had a, a bit of a cold, so my voice. For those who know me, they might not exactly recognize me, but I'm the real and genuine Cyril Brun. Yeah, I can say that I have uh, really high expectations of this uh, episode because uh, when I said to people that I'm going to do an interview with you, they say that Cyril Brun is uh, the mo- the nicest guy in Champagne. Wow. You have a good uh, reputation. I got the pressure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but you said you had the flu. Was and you told me that it you had a cause uh, why you got the flu. You had an idea. I, I, I think I've just stopped drinking champagne on a daily basis for four or five days because I went I was on, on, in a ski vacation and that's the thing you should never do. 
So never stop drinking champagne. Okay. So otherwise, you tr you try to drink champagne every day. Yes, it's yeah. really part of my life. Okay. It's I'm I'm lucky enough to have to have made my passion my job, and so I drink champagne every day. For how long time have you been a cellar master at uh, Charles Hightech? I joined a winery quite recently, like three years ago, hmm. uh, and I've been in in the industry for about 20 years. Okay, so where did you work uh, before you went to Charles Hightech? Uh, before working for Charles Hightech, I was working for Vaflico for about 15 years. Okay, as a cellar master? As a deputy cellar master. Okay. Yeah. So you're quite familiar with the Vevclico uh, house style then? Yes, of course. And I, I know the, the Swedish market very well because it's a market I've been visited quite a few times. Okay. When, when you started to work for Charles Heidsek, of course you knew Charles uh, before. Of course, you, you cannot ignore Charles Heidsek when you were born and bred in Champagne. Uh, as, a, as a young... Uh, a champagne amateur uh, when debuting my career of testing champagne Charlotte Sick was on my top of the list as close to Clico or Krug and uh, to make a long story short when I started to, uh, to consider working in a champagne house I just sent two resumes one to Vaflico and one to Charlotte Sick Mm -hmm. because they were the two wineries I was dreaming to work for. Okay. And finally, I'm going to make my uh, student dream become reality because I'm going to have worked for 15 years for Clicquot and I'm going to work another like 20 years for Charlitzik. And um, uh, when you were thinking about starting to work with Charles Heidsek, uh, what were your expectations? I have been enjoying the style since my childhood. I mean, my legal age of drinking and in my family with my grandfather, my father, we were enjoying Charlotte as a, a moment of glorious testing time uh, because we were enjoying this kind of richness, deepness, this high concentration into the wines. And it was the, almost like the bottle of champagne of the Sunday, something with, with a little bit of celebration uh, and not the, the daily bottle of champagne, but uh, a moment of uh, special enjoyment uh, with, with some, some champagne, which is a bit special because of uh, this way of making this structure, this body, this long aging. And my grandfather was always saying that he was saving a lot of money when drinking Charles mm -hmm. because in drinking one single bottle, he could get the best of champagne on the fresh side and champagne on the mature side. Yes. Uh, finally, he was never saving money because he was drinking two bottles at a time. <laughs> Uh, you can say that you 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 liked Charles Heidsek's uh, style from uh, from your childhood. Yes, clearly. And even working for Clico, I was regularly keeping testing Charles Heidsek because for me it was kind of benchmark and reference. So was it hard when you were working for Clico that uh, you wanted to, the champagnes to age uh, for a longer period of time, but uh, maybe? It was not the style of, of the house. The style was a bit different, but don't get me wrong, you don't suffer when drinking the Clicquot. I was no, enjoying of of every not. glass of Clicquot I, I, I was drinking, and I still enjoy a lot the, the, the style, of course. Uh, but it's just a, a different profile, and the one that is more uh, probably a bit more broadened and dedicated to a larger audience. When Charles is probably uh, a champagne for... Uh, the people that have known a little bit more the, the champagne and that have already a, li a little bit more deeper knowledge about champagne. Mm. Yeah. 
and uh, this episode I can say to the Swedish listeners that I really love uh, Charles Heisek champagne and I don't think that it gets uh, uh, that attention that it should people say, see that uh, the champagne might be cheaper in other countries and it's more expensive in Sweden but the value for the money I would say it's uh, tremendous I totally agree it's an uh, incredible value for money um, if you just feel think about the what is the, the, the benchmark of the style the brute reserve it's uh, almost like seven years old non-vintage brute reserve with uh, a unique uh, proportion of reserve wines up to 40% very old and mature reserve wines 10 years uh, averagely old reserve wines and for such uh, a wine you get a, a unique value when drinking Charlisic the law uh, to to be called uh, non-vintage champagne is a 15 month of uh, um, of aging of aging yes. yes and you're using seven years or even more yes so we are totally breaking the rules and uh, if you if you calculate the age of our non-vintage it's in many cases older mm-hmm. than most of the vintages from the competition in the champagne podcast we have to drink champagne yes and you're having a glass of I got a, a glass of Blanc des Millénaires 2004. Yeah. The new baby that is now going to be released in a few weeks or a few months. And it's a, it's a pure beauty. And it's just the beginning of the career for the Blanc des Millénaires 2004. And it comes just after the 95 that was an, an iconic uh, bottle for many years on the market. And the danger was to say, how can you come after such an icon? And uh, I decided to uh, disgorge this champagne quite earlier, uh, which means it has been disgorged in November uh, 2016. So in order to make sure we have a very long time post-disgorgement to try to um, uh, round and soften the angles of the vintage 2004 to make sure it's a Blanc de Millenaire before being a 2004 vintage. Mm. And you, you can almost not find two as opposed profile of vintage between 95 and 2004. And so my idea was that the personality of the Blondemer should be um, the first thing you get before you start to think about the, the vintage. And the first time I tested that champagne, almost like two years ago when I joined, I said it tastes really like a 2004 vintage. Yeah. And now I'm super proud to say it really tastes like a Blonde Millionaire from 2004 yeah and it's a big difference exactly what we said uh, during the tasting yeah um, we tasted uh, the whole range yes and the, the first impression was okay this is really uh, 2004 and then when it got a little bit time in the glass okay this is a blonde millionaire yeah. 2004 and, and and that's the strength of that wine uh, the recipe the blend is taking over the profile of the vintage and when you got that, you know that you have a special wine. And uh, the cruise for uh, the Blonde Millionaire? Uh, the five crews have been the same from the beginning. So we have five crews from the Côte des Blancs. So Cramont, Avise, uh, Auger, Le Mille sur Auger. So four Grand Cruises and Vertu as a premier crew. Mm-hmm. And we are going to use 20% of each village. So on the paper, it's a wine that is easy to make. On the paper. Only on the paper. Yeah, on the paper. <laughs> but it must be quite hard for you to... You haven't joined uh, Charles Hightech uh, during the harvest. Yeah. And uh, this is not a wine that you completely made. Yes, of course. Only the 
decision of the discouragement. Yes, but you, uh, when you, when you test, uh, you do vertical testing of the, of the blonde millionaire, you can really get and understand what is the essence uh, of the style. And the idea is how to replicate that test. And, and you, you just consider that the vintage is a secondary information. Yes. Because whatever, whatever will be the, the vintage, when you test the one, you should say it's a blonde millionaire. And who cares about uh, the vintage? It, you might be shocked, but it should be the reality. When you make a, a bottle of that level, you are looking for the primary enjoyment of the wine. When you think about vintage, it's more an intu- intellectual part. Mm. And you should mostly focus on the pleasure you get. Yeah, of course. But uh, with Blonde Millionaire, it could be quite uh, tough because... Uh, The tradition is not so long. The first one yes. was 83 and then yes. we have 85, 90, 95. So there's not many vintages. For the collector, uh, collectors, uh, it's quite, uh, it's not so expensive to collect all the Blonde Millionaire. It's true that we, we have been uh, recently uh, appearing on the market, but yet we have been there for a few decades and yeah. it's, you get already enough history to, to, uh, to exist. Mm. And... Uh, before we stop talking about the Blonde Millionaire, what are you looking for when you want to make a Blonde Millionaire? Why is not 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10? Because the, the uniqueness of the Blonde Millionaire is that perfect balance between those five elements. And, and sometimes, for some reason, uh, you get only two or only three that are really exactly matching your needs and one or two or three others they are not there so when you are in that uh, case the good the good decision is not to make it okay. because you are dealing with blonde millionaire there is no space for any type of compromise if you think it's going to be a good blonde millionaire don't do it you are not there to make a good blonde millionaire you should it should be blonde millionaire and when you say blonde millionaire it means perfection it means top of the range And when you have adopted good decision, don't do it. Mm. Because you will never be criticized not to make it. You will always be criticized making it that is just normal wine. And you, you don't make that job to make normal wine. Since there is so few Blonde Millionaire, are you a little bit uh, nervous to make your first yes. uh, Blonde Millionaire? Of course. You are? Currently, I'm, st- I'm still working on, on, the, on the blendings. Uh, and uh, Blonde Millionaire is one of my potential uh, items on my shopping list. And the Chardonnay from 2017 are quite interesting. But then you can uh, consider the question from another angle. If I just vacuum most of the great Chardonnay to make a Blonde Millionaire, it might create a bit of weakness for the rest of the range. So you, when you are a winemaker, you need, you need to take a bit of distance with just one wine and to just take, take decision with a global range approach. Mm. Because you, can, you, you could potentially make Blondie Minaire almost like every year. It depends on how much you want to make, mm. how, much, how many bottles you want to make. And yet my question at the moment is, we have the potential to make it. If we do it, uh, what will be the impact on the rest of the range? Mm. Because the, the, average, the global quality of 2017 is just between medium plus and good. Yes. Not, nothing more crazy than that. Mm. And the Chardonnay are really the best of the three varietals we, we have had uh, last year. So it's always a bit dangerous to take the, the best apart, uh, to try to do something that 
if if we do it, you are not sure it's going, it's going to be the most spectacular you will ever be making, mm. and put a, a danger on the rest of the range just for that. Is it worth being doing it? I'll give you the answer in uh, two months. Uh, are you allowed to uh, reveal which uh, vintage is going to be the next one for the Blonde Millionaire? No, because uh, I, I want to keep my freedom of some time uh, breaking the chronological rule of releasing. Okay. That's what we have done with the uh, 06 and 05 Rosé. Yeah. Uh, we have launched the 06 Rosé and the next one to come soon is going to be the 05 Rosé. Yeah. And I might be tempted to do the same in the future with other wines from other vintages. Yeah. So that's so why I, I don't announce it. When you're talking in those uh, terms, I'm thinking about uh, what uh, other houses are doing with the 2008, of course. Yeah, some houses have been are going to be releasing uh, 09 before 08, for instance. Uh, I don't mean, I don't mean it's going to be what we are going mm. to do, but uh, I think as a winemaker, you need to listen to your wine. Yes. You, you don't make wine with a, an Excel cheat. No. Uh, it, it doesn't work. Uh, you, some wines are uh, evolving faster. Some wines are evolving uh, slower than expecting. So you always have to understand what is the message in every wine and make sure that you are going to provide it when it's necessary. Yes. And the other one that I, I tried for the first time today was uh, the Rosé 2005. Yeah. It's and uh, it came after the 2006 and uh, I was a little bit surprised uh, about that yeah. I have to say and what, what was your thoughts about uh, releasing the 05 after the 06 uh, for me when I joined uh, I, the first thing I, I asked was to test the entire range existing and, and future and when I was testing the 05 Rosé and the 06 Rosé side by side especially I said uh, the 06 is, is round is rich is open is generous uh, it should be a mistake to release it, uh, not to release it uh, now, and to release the 05, which on the opposite was shy, severe, very austere, very closed. And I said, we are going to release the 06 first, and then we'll be releasing the 05. I was there for a couple of weeks, so they all looked at me like an extraterrestrial. <laughs> Who's that new guy that wants to make a kind of revolution? And finally, yes, they said, okay, we are going to, to do that. And I got no regret at all, because now uh, the, the O5 is only starting to develop. And I think if uh, we had to just keep the regular order of releasing, we would have done two mistakes, releasing the O5 too early, which means it would not work on the on the business uh, side, so it would extend the duration of the life of the O5 on the market, mm. pushing back the O6, and the O6 was already already ready. Yes. So it would it would mean that you would be releasing the O6 when declining. Okay. So you would have done two mistakes: releasing a wine too early and releasing a, a young uh, a mature wine too late, and we managed to just. Uh, find the, the right order of releasing. And for me, it was so obvious because uh, 06 has always been good, even when young. The wine was was round, open, very generous, very rich. Uh, the, the 05 was a cube. It was very, uh, very tannin, a lot of phenolics, and it was requesting much more time to evolve properly. And for me, it, it was so obvious. So when you are convinced about uh, something, you go and knock at the door of the president. You say, you know what, we're going to do that. And he said, okay, you're the seller master. Okay. Uh, and the third one uh, that I tried for the first time today was uh, the, the vintage 06 
I think it's lovely. Yes. That's just what I, I was saying about the O6. Yeah. I, I remember the O6, even when young, it was, it was really good. Yeah. And uh, uh, the wine is very smooth, it's very round, it's uh, enjoyable, uh, it's creamy and fleshy at the same time. And the wine uh, has uh, this very immediate pleasure that you, you get from a vintage like 06. And 05 is, is quite a different animal. It's, it's more a combination of uh, immediate pleasure and intellectual pleasure in projecting yourself on how good it can become in, in a few more more for years and the 06 is just instant pleasure I've had the, quite a lot of different champagnes uh, the, the last couple of years yeah and the, the 05 I, I think it's tend to be quite open rich and a little bit lack of uh, acidity and uh, I, I always think that well 05 you should drink now but uh, you're in, uh, not, uh, not maybe for the Charles Heisegger. Uh, I, maybe I got a, a, a diverse vision of, of that because uh, you should not judge the uh, potential of aging only uh, looking at the acidity. Because when you think about uh, global winemaking, whatever is for champagne or for other wines, you can rely on higher on high acidity or high phenolics. And in 05, we have like medium acidity, but we have super high phenolics. So which means, uh, despite... You explain the phenolics to yes, the listeners. The, the phenolics are, are, are going to be the molecules that are, you are going to, um, to reach when you have a lot of ripeness, uh, which is not every year in Champagne. And in 05, because of the uh, very generous climatic conditions we had, we had a unique amount of, of phenolics. So which is going to explain uh, the length, the body, this very long and mouthful um, uh, finish for the 05. But it's also uh, a molecule that's going to just uh, slow down the evolution and the maturation. So yes, you are going to uh, get a, a medium acidity, but thanks to the huge phenolics, it's going to be uh, a promising uh, wine to age and a wine that you can keep for another 10, 15 years. Hmm. It's going to be interesting. And, and probably the, uh, the o, uh, O5 is going to, uh, to evolve very well. Then we'll have a plateau phase, involve again, and another plateau phase. It's, it's not going to evolve a linear way hmm. like the O6. Okay. And during the uh, the 20 years or the 25 years that you've been uh, working with Champagne as cellar master and, or working with the blending, yeah. which uh, wine are you the most proud of? Well, uh, as a single wine or...? A single wine. I've enjoyed a lot the wines I've made in 2012, so yet they are not uh, on the market, uh, so they will probably arrive in uh, two, three years or four years. Uh, so the wines I've made at Clico and I've just had the, uh, this very uh, unique feeling of uh, uh, natural purity and, and balance from 2012 mm. especially on the, on the rosé versions of the vintage I've made for, for Clico at that time Okay, something to look forward to Yeah I think uh, 08 is the one on Yes, the it's the current vintage on yeah. the market, yes yeah. Yeah. I, I will just purchase a few cases to to sell her in my uh, private cellars as well. Yeah. Do you have a lot of champagne in your private cellar? I get, I get something like probably 500 bottles of champagne in my cellar. Yeah. And half of them being probably magnums. Okay. I do like uh, magnums. I think mm. it's a perfect size, especially for long aging. Mm. 
and good good size for sharing. Uh, yeah. you, you don't feel guilty opening a mag, uh, opening a magnum even for for people. It's okay. Mm. Uh, for a magnum for two people, you you feel like you're an alcoholic. Uh, <laughs> but for four people, you, you can open a magnum. Yeah. yeah. And can you explain to the listeners uh, why the magnum is uh, better for aging than uh, a regular the, bottle? All the chemical reactions that you have in, in any bottle of wines, they are going to be much slower in a magnum because uh, the wine is just briefing through the cork. And so you get the same diameter, uh, so, the, so the same potential exchange between uh, the oxygen uh, in the bottle and outside the bottle. Uh, and for the magnum, you have twice the volume of wines, so all the reactions are twice uh, slower. And when we're talking about the uh, aging process, and uh, I think we, we need to talk about the shape of the bottles. Because now there's a different shape of uh, the bottles for the Brut Reserve or the non-vintage champagnes yes. and the vintage champagnes. But since uh, 2007, uh, all the bottles can be the same shape as the uh, the non-vintage champagnes. Yes. And can you tell the listeners a little bit about the, the different shape of the bottles and what yes. it means to the champagne? But pardon, just the shape, it's more uh, the neck and the diameter. Uh, of the neck. In a standard bottle of champagne, you have a diameter of 29 millimeters. And in our bottle neck, uh, the classic Carrière Chalitzic, it's 26. So which means the, the chamber of oxygen will be much smaller in our, in our bottles compared to a standard bottle of champagne. Mm. So which means you can uh, technically extend uh, the, the aging because you are going to uh, keep prisoner less amount of oxygen. So all the, 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 um, uh, the maturation process will be uh, slower in our bottles than in, compared to any standard bottle. So a little bit like Magnum. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of intermediate between uh, a Magnum and a, and a standard bottle of champagne. So the Magnum bottles will be the same shape as uh, the non-vintage bottles? Yes, exactly. Well. Yeah. And also the half bottles? Uh, and half bottles as well, yeah. And, uh, but I don't recommend to edge half bottles for many years. No, but it's quite interesting to drink half bottles of champagne. Mm. The only problem is that when you finish it, you want other half, but they yes, age but, quite. But uh, as a technician, a uh, I use the half bottles like a, like a time machine, yeah. because it's uh, it's evolving much much faster than bottles and magnums. And when I just test the half bottles, it's just giving me an idea of what will be the bottle like or the magnum like in one year, three years, four years, because I know that uh, everything is, is faster into uh, in half bottles. Mm. And what uh, champagnes do you age in half bottles? I, I don't have any half bottles in myself. Oh, but uh, in, I, for, for, for Charles, the, the Brut Reserve. The Brut Reserve yeah. only, yeah. not uh, the Rosé. There will be the, uh, a, small, a small batch of Rosé Reserve as well, but okay. only the non-vintage. Mm. And uh, what are the sizes do you, do, do you make for the Charles Heisek range? Uh, for, for the Charles Heisek range, we, we start with the half bottles, the bottle, the Magnum and the Jorbam. Okay. And uh, everything is, is done in the bottle, of course. Okay. Nothing is, is transferred. Mm. Are you thinking about uh, making uh, bigger bottles? No, because I, I feel like Jorobam is already quite a decent format. Mm. And we are we are not a, a bling bling winery. We don't use uh, super large bottles to uh, to try to splash your neighbor in a in a party in a nightclub. So <laughs> uh, I'm happy with the Jorobam. Yeah. When I was here last time, uh, we were re really lucky to taste um, the Champagne Charlie yes. from '85. Yes. 
and um, I heard some rumors that um, there might be a relaunch of, of Champagne Charlie. It, it's, a, it's a real rumor, yeah. Is it? It's a real rumor, yes. In the cellars, if you look carefully, you will find some kind of brand new bottles of Charlie. But in in Charlie, Charlie is going to come back, yes. And the last vintage of Charlie was... 85. 85. Yes. So we might see a relaunch of this. Hopefully the Charlie 90. It will be fresher than that. <laughs> fresher than that. Yes. Yeah. Good. I'm really glad to, to hear that. Yeah. But I think, the mo of course, the most important champagne for, for, for Charles Heisek and that I think that the listeners should start to drink is the Brut Reserve. Of course, it's, that's the identity of the, of the winery. It's, and if you don't like this one, don't, tr don't even try to, uh, to taste the vintage or the Blanc de Lunaire because they are going to have a similar profile of style. Mm. Uh, it, of course, if you like it, you might pay interest for the rest of the range. Yeah. Uh, but the entry door, of course, is the Brut Reserve. Yeah. The Brut Reserve uh, represents the whole range very, very well, um, and uh, it's only a few champagne brands that can say that I like the Brut Reserve even more than a, a vintage champagne. Mm -hmm. um, so, but can, can you tell the listeners just the house style of the Brut Reserve? What can they expect when they drink it? So our Brut Reserve is almost like what my, what my grandfather was using to say. It covers uh, champagne from the, the fresher side up to the most mature side in just one bottle, which means that we are going to uh, to work with the three ingredients: so Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, forty percent of each, Meunier, 20 other percent, and we are going to use a huge amount of reserve wines, forty percent of reserve wines, of mature reserve wines, ten years as an average age of, of reserve wines, and putting all together is going to create a champagne that is going to provide and evoke all the freshness you may expect from a champagne, and it's going to almost like showcase you the, ma the maturity of a vintage. So it will have a, a very wide spectrum of emotions uh, to, to showcase. And more than that, it will be something that is uh, really linked to, to texture, uh, something very silky, very creamy. You will never find any uh, hint of aggressivity into the effervescence. You will have the sensation of balance uh, every time uh, you, you test a glass of Charlottesick. And it's a very unique emotion. And uh, people that drink it for the first time, they, they feel like it's, it's very apart from champagne. Uh, they feel, when they test the brew, they say, it's a vintage. No, it's not a vintage. It's, it's our entry door. That's the entry level of, of the winery. Yes. And, and they don't realize that you can get all that complexity on the entry level. Fantastic, I would say. I think it's uh, very interesting is that um, the last two weeks, I had the opportunity to try old vintages of Charles Heitzig. Um, I tried with my uh, girlfriend. The Rosé uh, 81, mm -hmm. and I, I also included in, in the tasting uh, the Vintage 59. And the thing that I found interesting is that there's no oxidation yeah. at all in, in the champagnes. They're just pure, they're fresh, even though the 59 was almost without bubbles, mm -hmm. it was fresh. And how can you, how, what's the key to 
to have that non-oxidative style uh, um, even though the champagnes the, are so old? The selection of ingredients for sure. Uh, we are uh, also using uh, mostly large tanks, so which means there is very little space for oxidation, very 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 few pumpings as well, because we are we are not making uh, blends with uh, hundreds of ingredients, uh, so it's going to uh, limit the uh, uh, oxidation opportunities uh, during the, the process. And then same thing, everything we do uh, from uh, uh, bottling to disgorgement, we are very uh, carefully paying attention to oxidation. Mm. So which means we everything we bottle are in a kind of more reductive atmosphere. And so even when you age it for many, many years, you don't feel like, uh, and it's interesting what you, what you said, pointing 81 and 59, because they are there are more than 20 years uh, of difference and if you put apart the, the effervescence effect it's not like night and day when you test the two side by side no. and you feel like that at, at one stage uh, the, the, the time clock has stopped yes. and the one is no, is no longer moving hmm. it's just stopping at one moment and you keep it 10 years, 20 years it will very gently affect the, the profile of the wine and when you, you can test a wine like that you feel like it has been very well made yeah and I can pay tribute to my predecessors for that. Yeah. They, have put, they have put pressure on my shoulders, but it's... Yeah, you have a great very good pressure. Pre- that's you very good pressure. Pl- pressure on your shoulders. Yeah. It's both pressure and pleasure. Yeah. yeah, I'm really, I can say that I'm really looking forward to your first uh, Blonde Millionaire. And um, maybe the disgorgement of the, the new Champagne Charlie. Yes. We'll see. It uh, will come. But it's been a pleasure to have you in the podcast. And before we, we end the podcast, um, do you want to tell the Swedish listeners uh, or do you want to say something like, why should they drink Charles Heitzig? They should drink Charles Heitzig because uh, if they are very similar like me, it's going to, to change their life. Uh, you have a good day, you have a bad day, you have a normal day, uh, you have a glass of Scheinzik at the end and you, you will finish having a good day because it's going to transport you, it's going to, uh, uh, to make you become uh, very uh, open-minded and you are going to be very positive at the end of the day. Uh, yesterday I was in, in in bad mood when coming back at home because I was a bit sick uh, and my wife said you know what we're going to have a bottle of champagne and I said it's I think it's a pretty good idea and uh, I'm start to recover <laughs> so um, I'm going to have all my friends that are doctors uh, to be very angry about me uh, but I think it's local medicine in champagne is a good medicine yeah I think so too so thank you very much for for taking the time thank you martin and skål skål okej okay, det var intervjun klar med med Sörbrun och eh, det är verkligen en härlig man nu var det så att det var bara jag som satt och intervjuade och du satt bredvid och tog lite bilder vad fick du för intryck av eh, Sörbrun en eh, väldigt eh, trevlig och ödmjuk man vad härlig Skojfrisk. Han ja, på sig själv. Jag sa ju det till honom i podden att jag hade väldigt höga förväntningar på Surbrunn för mm. att eh, alla i, i Champagne och även i Sverige som jobbar med Champagne har sagt att ja, Surbrunn han är kanske den trevligaste mannen eh, i Champagne. Och mm. jag tyckte att han levde upp till sina Absolut, förväntningar. Absolut, han var jättetrevlig. Det kändes väldigt liksom, naturligt. 
Bra humor också. Det är viktigt. <laughs> ja, han, 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 han hade så här lite finurligt utseende måste jag säga. Så han, han såg lite så här lur ut. Ja, På ett rikt- bra sätt. Ja, riktigt härlig. Och eh, det som jag gillade med hans stil, som han, det som han pratade mycket om och, och vid makeriet var att han tar ju en hel del. Hej, det är Danny Pellegrino från Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50-80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Beslut, självklart. Men han verkar inte så rädd att ta beslut angående olika saker. Nej, och det är ju ett tungt ansvar då som vilar på en saxklar när man är vidmakare. Alltså efterträdare till tidigare årgångar menar jag. Ja. Och eh, jag frågade honom vilken som blir nästa årgång utav Blonde Millionär. Mm. Och det vill han inte säga. Nej. Eh, vi kan spekulera i det dock. Ja. Jag fick inte ens höra efter att vi hade stängt av kameran. Det känns ju nästan som att det är 99,9% säkert att det kommer bli en ny årgång utav eh, Champagne Charlie. Ja, absolut. Och eh, jag hade ju faktiskt hört ryktesvägen att man skulle köra en Champagne Charlie 1990. Men han sa att det skulle bli mycket yngre mm, än så. Tyvärr. <laughs> tyvärr. Det hade varit riktigt eh, grymt att vara 90. Ja, men tänk dig en Champagne Charlie 96 till exempel. Mm, Eller absolut. en Champagne Charlie 02, för de gjorde ju inga Vinters 02 överhuvudtaget. Och eh, vi fick ju en rundvisning i Charles Isaacs källare utav Katrin. Som är magisk. Källarna eller Katrin? Både och. Både och. Ja, det håller jag med. Mm. Och vad var det som Katrin sa hela tiden som vi, vi upptäckte från vårt förra besök? Ulala! 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 Hon är verkligen härlig. Mm, hon är väldigt trevlig och genuin som person. Ja, men när man, när man kommer. Vi ska säga det till lyssnarna att Charles Heidsäck är ett stängt hus. Mm. Att åka inte dit och knacka på dörren. Det är i och för sig tillräckligt svårt att bara hitta dit. För de finns ja, inte med på är... adresserna. De är jättemystiska på det sättet. Men källarna är otroligt vackra. Av de källarna vi har varit i tillsammans. Eller de jag har varit i så är Heidsäck den finaste. Ja. ja, men det är jag beredd att hålla med. Tatanches källare är väldigt vackra ja, på sina verkligen. ställen. Verkligen. Men de är inte lika... Det är inte lika högt till tak där eller högt till... Nej, och sen är det så... Till, ja. Jag vet inte om den ligger djupt ner heller. Nej, men precis. Heidsäck källar ligger lite djupare. Det har nog med saker nära. Den är magnifik. Ja, och sen hela liksom 
formspråket och hur de jobbar på Hightech är ju helt fantastiskt mm. när man sitter där på provningarna och Absolut, får... Absolut, de har jätteskitsnygg design. Skitsnyggt till och med. Får... Ja, men de har skitsnyggt. Ja, vi får svära lite i podden. Vi, vi måste ju också säga till lyssnarna att vi sitter och spelar in den här podden klockan, vad är klockan? Halv elva på kvällen. Mm. Vi har varit på besök idag hos Marget. Vi har varit hos eh, Kryg. Och sen så har vi varit förbi några vänner i Epenay. Nu mm. blir det några vänner. Mm. Så vi har provat en hel del champagner. Men vi måste ju också dricka någonting i podden. Och då kan jag rekommendera att det finns en vinbutik i Epenay som heter 520. Mm. Och jag vet inte varför den heter 520. Den kanske ligger på gatnummer 520 någonting. Det borde vi ha frågat. Ja. Han som driver butiken är väldigt kunnig. Mm. Men han pratar inte så gärna så man måste ju fråga. Ja, han känner ja. tyst. Ja. Han är ingen kamelförsäljare. Absolut inte. Men vill du ha påfyllning av lite champagne? Jag vill gärna ha ett glas Blonde Miljonär 04 som vi drack under påfyllning. Ja, det får du inte nu. Jag kan, jag kan säga vad vi dricker. Just nu så dricker vi någonting som heter Oliver Huiro. Som är en, de kallar den för Noirs and Blanc. Så det är då en 80% Pinot Noir. Och 20% Pinot Blanc. Som är ju en eh, druva som man också får producera champagne på. Som man inte får nyplantera dock. Mm. Eh, vi har första gästningen på Ekfat. Vilket jag tycker man känner i champagne. Det står här att det är en blandning mellan årgångar 2013 och 2015. Och att det är då 20% reservin som har legat på stora ekfodres. Men jag blir lite fundersam på när de skriver att den är då butellerad 2014 i juli och är degagerad i eh, juni 2016. Det går inte riktigt ihop sig. Det blir svårt för mig skörden 2015 så att jag tror att de har skrivit fel kanske på etiketten. Eh, men jag köpte den här, det var en champagne från Aub och jag tycker att den är väldigt trevlig. Absolut, den är trevlig men annorlunda. Ja, absolut annorlunda. Men vi ska väl säga att den kostar väl under 30 euro också. Absolut, den är väldigt prisvärd. Kul att prova. Precis. Så att vi fick ju ta den i podden då eftersom att vi inte har några sponsorer. <laughs> men <laughs> ehm... Eftersom att vi har druckit så mycket high-tech redan. Ja, precis. Inte idag dock, men igår. Mm. Ehm, men ska vi gå igenom lite bara vad vi provade? Vi började med en... Bruttreserv. Bruttreserv. Som var basorgång 2010. Som är trevlig, fantastisk. Det är den som ligger på bolaget nu. Den är alltid bra. Den är alltid bra, prisvärd. Och det är väl egentligen det jag kan säga till lyssnarna att bruttreserv, visst, den kostar 557 kronor, någonting så här. 547 tror jag det är. Mm. Och det är bland, bland de dyrare bruttreserverna, men den här flaskan ligger ju sex år på gästen. Vi har. 40% reservvin som har en snittålder på 10 år. Så att eh, kollar man på själva vinmakeriet bakom så är den ju otroligt prisvärd. Absolut. Den är jättegod. Sen provade vi rosé. Någon vintage också. Mm. Som är... Den är ju... Den tänkte jag inte. Den är, super... den är superbra. Ja, den är grym. Den är jättebra. Vi pratade lite rosé tidigare idag och vilka man gillar. Men jag är så insnöd på Marget så jag... Jag kommer inte på några andra, men den är ju faktiskt jättebra. Ja, den är kanonbra. För att vara någon vintage också. <kör> mm. 
Sen provade vi årgång 2006. Mm. Som de precis har bytt till från mm. 2005. Den var också magisk. Mm, den var kanonbra. Fruktigt tillgänglig eh, redan nu. Mm. Och vi provade även eh, Rosé 2005. Mm. Som jag tyckte... Ja, det var inte min favorit ska jag säga. Det var, alltså, ab- absolut var den bra, men jag tycker att någon vintersrosén var bättre. Det beror ju också på under vilka... Okej, nu provar vi under bra omständigheter, men 2005 blev bra i glaset. Ja, den behövde tid i glaset. Och med lite tid efter degogering så kommer det säkert bli bättre. Mm. Den var absolut inte dålig. Det var snarare någon vintage som var extremt bra. Mm, exakt. Och sen gick vi vidare till dagens höjdpunkt som var Blonde Millionär 04. Mm, jättekul. Nya årgången. Absolut. Och... Ja, mm. ja, vad tyckte du? Jag var, lite, jag var lite orolig för att dofta och smaka på du, den. Jag satt ganska länge innan jag vågade dofta på den. För att jag tycker att 95 är så väldigt, väldigt bra. Och jag var inte riktigt redo till att överge 95 och gå över till 04 helt enkelt. Nej. Och, men 04 är otroligt bra. Jag tror att den kommer bli minst lika bra med tiden. Men jag skulle välja 95-man alla dagar i veckan mm. idag. Absolut, det skulle jag också göra. Men då får man också ta hänsyn till att det är ganska många årsskillnad. Precis. Nej, men man kan väl säga att 95-man befinner sig... Jag skulle kunna säga helt ärligt att jag tror att den befinner sig på en topp nu. Mm. Och att den kanske inte kommer bli mycket bättre. Medan 04 är bara en liten bebis. Och visst har de inte bytt den? Bra. Nej, i Sverige så håller de 0 eller 95-man ungefär två månader till. Så köp 95-man. Drick ja. nu. Drick nu, köp 04 spara undan några år. Exakt. Det är väl ett bra tips. Mm. Men 04 tyckte jag representerade året 04 väldigt bra. Och med en liten stund i glaset så representerade den Blonde Millionär bra också. Mm. Sen tycker jag att det är lite svårt att säga att den representerar Blonde Millionär väldigt bra. För att det finns inte så många årgångar Blonde Millionär. Så att man kan inte säga så här: det är en typisk Blonde Millionär. Som att den bara släppts 83, 85, 90 och 95. Och nu 04. Mm. Så ja, vi får väl försöka samla ihop lite flaskor och köra en blonde miljonär vertikal då. Det låter vettigt. Det låter vettigt. Ja, nej men vi ska väl inte köra här för att snacket allt för långt. Vi ska väl gå och lägga oss och sen så ska vi upp och ha besök hos Salon imorgon. Mm, Salon, Filipponat. Asai. Asai. Och Hatsöner. Det blir en lång, lång dag helt enkelt. Fyra besök är ju nästan lite on top om man får säga att det blir för mycket tänkte jag säga. Men det blir det inte men det blir ju en intensiv dag om man blir trött på kvällen. Ja, vi, jag kanske får spotta på något besök helt enkelt. Jag rekommenderar att fortsätta dricka champagne alla dagar som slutar på G. Och sen säger vi skål härifrån Epinay. Skål! Skål!
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.